What's up and welcome to Light City. I want to take a minute to say thank you to each of you for spending a few minutes with us. Wherever you are, in whatever situation you find yourself in, I'm confident that God is with you and that he wants to use the message today to speak identity, purpose, destiny to you for the absolutely amazing life that he has set out for you. I just want to say if you're a guest at one of our campuses or you're new to our online community, it's absolutely no accident that you're here. And uh, if you'll give us a little bit of your morning this morning or throughout the day today, I know that you will leave empowered and encouraged. Well, I hope that you enjoyed last week's uh, message and our series this month so far, Burn Bright. Um, and I want to get started this week uh, with week two of our series. Uh, so let's just jump in and get started. We're going to start in Luke chapter 15. Uh, and, and I'd like to read this particular passage. And it is undoubtedly one of my favorite portions of Scripture in the Bible. And the title of my message today is Turn on the Lights. Turn on the Lights. How we can use the light that's in us to shine a way for others to find Jesus. Now, this concept can sometimes come off as a bit generic, a bit casual, somewhat, you know, a somewhat accidental endeavor, but scripture is quite clear to us, you know, us being Jesus people, that we bear a responsibility to the world to spread the love, the kindness, the forgiveness, the acceptance of our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, Scripture uses the term, you know, when talking about letting our light shine, that we are to be our brother's keeper, our brother's keeper. And, and that's what I want to ask us today, this all-important question, am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible to my neighbor? Am I responsible to my brothers and my sisters? Am I responsible to turn on my lights, to let my light shine? The question is, am I my brother's keeper? And we're going to get into a parable uh, that has three parts, and we're going to look at the third and final part. You know, you've, you've heard of it maybe. It's often referred to as the prodigal son. You know, most people call it the prodigal son uh, parable or story. Uh, but I want to remind you, the reason that Jesus tells us this parable is because he's being criticized. Jesus is criticized for being attractive and attracting people that don't go to church. You know, he's criticized actually by pastors and leaders of the synagogue, you know, teachers of the Torah. They literally criticize Jesus. And so his response to that criticism is the parable of three parts. And, and the conclusion is the story of two sons. And it says, if you read in Luke chapter 15 and verse 11, and he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, Bible says a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Verse 16 says, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But scripture says when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread but I perish here with hunger. I will arise, I will go to my father, 
And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And again, Jesus, the author of this story, is uh, uh, the author of the story telling his audience, right? And, and, and by the way, his audience listening to the story are almost entirely Jewish people, right? And, and you have the Jewish spiritual leaders, that's the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and you have the, the other group of people that are really the non-church people, the outcasts, the overlooked people, and, and in some cases, notorious sinners, right? The Bible says, and, and Jesus tells this story, uh, and the son says to the father, as he's being embraced and kissed by his father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but the father completely ignores the speech. He says in verse 22, bring out the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring out the fatted calf and let's kill it, right? And eat and celebrate where my son was dead is alive again. He was lost and now is found. And they began to celebrate. And, and, and now if you can imagine, you know, the camera pans uh, and we're brought to a completely different scene. And it's the scene of the older son, the older brother, and he's out in the field. You know, it's quiet and, you know, the sun is setting and there's sweat on his brow and he's coming in from a long, hard day's work. Uh, and as he comes close to the house, he hears music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked him, you know, like, what does this mean? You know, why do I, why do I hear this music and this dancing? And he, and he says, you know, oh, maybe you haven't heard your brother has come home. You know, your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. You know, it's like, woohoo, I guess. You know, and the Bible says that he was angry. The older brother was angry and he refused to go in. And so the father came out and treated him and, and he says to his father, like, look, these many years I've served you and I've never disobeyed your command. You know, and you never gave me as much as a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, you know, this son of yours came, you know, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. And these are the concluding verses of our parable. You know, the, the father who no doubt is indicative of the character of God. And Jesus is explaining the reason that I hang out with who I hang out with is because I am who I am. And this parable reveals the content and the character of God. So the father says to his son, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. He says it was right. It was fitting. You know, we had to. It was necessary. It was necessary to celebrate. You know, be glad for your brother. He was dead. Now he's alive. He was lost. And now he's found again. And that's how Jesus concludes. So let's take a minute and pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we ask for your word. Father, for the illumination of your word. God, that you would cause it to come alive on the inside of us, the truth of the scriptures. We thank you most importantly this morning that we would see Jesus because we know we see him will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So, uh, you know, I'm about to turn 35 years old. Uh, I think at this point it's about one month away, and I'm realizing that I'm getting old. You know, not that I necessarily feel old or that I really look old, uh, but it's that my behaviors, they are old. You know, and this is truthfully, you know, my wife, Danielle, she has really taken on the role of dressing me, uh, you know, because looking cool matters nowadays. You know, you need that street cred with all the millennials. Uh, but anyways, uh, she dresses me because uh, a few years back, you know, they couldn't even use pictures of me because every time I would preach in those pictures, I was wearing the exact same of the two shirts, you know? I, I mean, I don't really understand pop culture. I don't really understand those things. Uh, and, and the truth is, well, most people look through, you know, blogs or through magazines, you know, for what's happening in the world, you know, what's cool, what looks right. You know, uh, I, I, let, me get, let me make a confession uh, and, you know, don't judge me because uh, we all got our stuff. But every once in a while, you know, while checking out in a grocery store, uh, I check out People magazine. Uh, and not for the reason most of you might think, uh, but because I, I love the last few pages of People magazine. And, and this is a real thing. You know, you flip to the back, you have the crossword puzzle, and then you have my favorite part of People magazine. It's the, you know, what's the difference photo. You know, I'm, I'm sure that you have seen these if you, like me, have wandered through grocery stores. You know, can you find the difference in these two photos? And, and honestly, I don't know why. Uh, you know, this didn't used to get me as excited when I was a young man, you know, but now that I'm in my, my mid-30s, you know, I'm like going through and I'm like, got it, the, got it got it, got it, right? And, and I'm slowly, you know, putting the groceries onto the belt so that I can continue to solve the puzzle, you know, and, and when I spot them, I have so much satisfaction, you know, and then I end with this, right? I end with this. I tell myself, you know, what I just did, you know, this is good for my, this is good for my brain, you know? Uh, and, and why do I bring this up uh, today is, is I want to see if you could spot the difference, you know? Can you spot the difference in uh, the three parts of this parable. You know, can you spot the difference? Can you see it? And it and, and will maybe give some of you some satisfaction uh, because remember now, we read the third and final portion of the parable, uh, but there are three parts. The third and final part is about two sons, one that is wayward and, one, and he returns home. Um, you know, he's accepted and loved. And the other, the older son, doesn't want to come in because he's angry. You know, and the father comes out and said, you know, it was right to throw the party. Your brother was gone, but he's back. He was lost, found, closed, game over, period. Uh, but before that, Jesus says, if you want to know who I hang out with or why I hang out with the people that I do, why I go to church with the people that I do, uh, uh, you have to understand who I am. And here's who I am. He says, you know, in a parable, there was a shepherd and he had a hundred sheep and he loses one. So he leaves the 99. He goes and finds the one and brings it back and throws a party with the other shepherds. You know, uh, parable two, there's a woman. She's got 10 coins. She loses one coins. And so she flips up all the cushions and moves all the furniture, you know, throws her house in absolute upheaval looking for the one coin. And then she finds the one coin and then throws a party in her neighborhood that costs. You know, and I can't stop here because this can preach. It costs a lot more than the one coin that she found. And then Jesus says, let me conclude with a story of two sons. Can you spot the difference? Can you see the difference? Because the difference is what's important here. The difference is critical here. Notice in the first part, we have a sheep that was wayward 
and a shepherd searches for the sheep. In the next scene, we have a woman who's lost the coin, and the woman searches for the coin. Notice that both of these searches are extensive and exhaustive. In both, they're going. Now, Jesus, remember, he's the author of these stories, and these stories aren't true. They're parables, but they're true because he wrote them. You know, it's a parable, uh, and there's a search for sheep. There's a search for a coin, and then there's a story about a son, and I'd like to ask you, who searches for the son, right? Who searches for the son? And the answer is no one. The sheep gets searched for. The coin gets searched for. But I ask again, who searches for the sun? No one. No one searches for the sun. Right? There's no search party. His brother doesn't go searching. His father doesn't go searching. And I believe Jesus wants us to see that. He wants us to wonder, wait, where's, you know, the, the shepherd searched and the woman searched? And why didn't the father search? Or why didn't the brother search? shouldn't somebody have been out in that far country, you know, calling out his name like, hey, Billy, right? Shouldn't somebody have been searching for him? Why? And, 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 and the third part is the explanation of the content of, of God's character that, that no one is searching for the younger brother. Now remember, Jesus has two different kinds of people in his audience, two different kinds of people. He has non-churched people and churched churched people, right? Non-churched and church leaders, church critics, church writers, church teachers, and non-churched people. Now we've come to the conclusion that the two sons represent two people in Jesus's audience. And here's what I'd like to suggest. The reason is that no one goes looking for the younger brother because Jesus is trying to tell his audience that there are people present who are not going after their brothers, right? Please hear me. The point was that the establishment or the synagogue of the church of Jesus' day, right? Remember who's, who's the complainers and who's the grumblers in Jesus' ministry, right? It was the established church. The, the church was saying to Jesus... You know, you should not be befriending or eating or validating or valuing these bad people, right? These are bad people. And so Jesus tells a story, and written in the story is the question, right? And, and you know, if you're like me, you're like raising your hand, you're like, um, excuse me, excuse me. You know, this was me growing up in Sunday school, and the teacher's like, um, yes, Alex, uh, I see that hand. And, and I want to ask, why isn't anybody searching for the boy? And I believe Jesus wants his audience to think like that because his point, and, and I would like to suggest today, Jesus is saying to his audience, and particularly the established church, the, the synagogue, the teachers, the preachers, he's saying, why aren't you going after your hurting brothers and sisters, right? Why aren't you going to the far country and finding them and helping them get out of that painful situation, right? whether they put themselves there or somebody else's decision put them there. And so, so, so now let's go back in time, you know, to an age-old question. Have you ever considered the very first question man ever asked God, right? Have you ever stopped to consider this? What is the first question man, right? Created man ever asked his creator, God. It should be noted 
that before man ever asked God a question, God asked man seven questions, right? By the way, you know, that could totally set up your whole social skills right there, right? And, and how good is God that he asks his created being seven questions until we even ask one, right? Imagine if everywhere you went, you're, you outnumbered people's questions seven to one, right? You'd, you'd have, an, and, and I'll tell you what, you'd have more friends than you'd know what to do with. And so Jesus asks seven questions, and then Cain, right? Remember Cain, he's the older brother to Abel. You remember Cain and Abel, the first brothers in the Bible. And Cain says to God, after God says to Cain, where's Abel? You know, where is he? You know, and Cain says like, mm-hmm, yeah. And then he asks the very first question man ever asks God. Am I my brother's keeper? Right? Am, I my, am I my brother's keeper? Am I his guardian? You know, am I his babysitter? Am I his caretaker? You know, is that my responsibility? You know, like I got my own life, God. I got my own responsibilities. Like, man, I'm going to do me, right? And, and listen, everybody just needs to handle their own business. And, and this is my responsibility. And it's not my fault. And, you know, it's not on me. But am I my brother's keeper? And my brothers and sisters, let me answer that question for you with a resounding yes. You know, for the rest of the Bible, the rest of Scripture, God passionately, deliberately, overtly answers the first question his created beings ever asked him. Am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is yes. You are. I am. Yes. The Bible says, you know, we're born thinking about ourselves. We're born self-focused. We're born selfish. You know, and it's evidence after evidence after evidence throughout Scripture that you and I are responsible to our fellow man, right? One of the bedrock teachings, you know, paramount teachings of Jesus is Jesus is what? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? And you'd ask, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells one of the most charged parables in history. He uses the enemy, right? Despised and marginalized by Jews. He uses a Samaritan as an example. And he says, we're to love our brother. We're to be our brother's keeper. You know, so Jesus, you know, what you're saying is the older brother should have gone after the younger brother? And the answer is correct, right? And, and even culturally, that would have been sensical, right? That, that would have made absolute sense that the older brother, right, who, remember, uh, has become the owner of the estate now, you know, in the parable, remember that they both got their inheritance. So the older brother is actually in charge now. So the man in charge should have went to go to find the lost family member, but he doesn't, right? But here's my issue, right? Here's my issue. And, and so much has been made, you know, of this older brother. And if you've been in church for, you know, absolutely any length of time, you've heard preachers preach about this. You know, the older brother is, you know, he's always like this. And, and you can have, you, can you believe the older brother? And, you know, couldn't you believe that he wouldn't come dancing? And he wouldn't come into the music? And he wouldn't celebrate his lost brother? You know, he was so jealous. And, you know, we make the older brother to be out to be a little bit of a menace. You know, he's a mean man. He's a jealous guy. He's an arrogant brother. But can we just step back for a second? I mean... You know, everybody just calm down. 
Because truthfully, the older brother makes a lot of sense. In fact, I'd like to suggest that as Jesus tells this story to his audience, you know, they're all out there like, you know, well, you know, well, finally somebody in this story is starting to make sense. You know, like the father shouldn't have given the inheritance that early. You know, they're supposed to wait till he dies, you know, and, you know, and this kid, he's an absolute train wreck, you know, and he goes as far away as he can from his brothers and he squanders everything and he sells off, you know, all these nice collective pieces from his family for cash. And, you know, this guy's an absolute joke. And, and then he comes back and he gets a party. You know, what is this story about? This doesn't make any sense. You know, the father is not a good father. The son is completely selfish. You know, he's the one who brought shame on the family. You know, you think, what is going on? And then Jesus says, you know, and the older brother was out in the field and he wouldn't come inside. And, and I think the whole audience honestly was like, well, thank you very much. Like, somebody's got a head on their shoulders. You know, somebody needs to discipline this kid. You know, this father is reckless. And, and, and that's what we fail to recognize is, is that most people in the audience at that point would have been, you know, and, and Rendra, I'm, I'm talking about church and non-church people. You know, the, the thing, and there must be some serious consequences for this. You know, but this boy coming back, you know, with his tail between his legs and, you know, and that's right, he should feel bad. And, you know, the older brother stands out there and he says, you know, like, what does this mean? Because this doesn't make sense. What does this mean? And, and the father comes out and says, you know, like, son, you, you need to come to this party, you know. It's good, right? Like, this is a good thing. And, and the father's explanation was just like, you know, like, hey, he was dead. He's alive. He was lost. He's found. It's amazing. Come on. Come on in. And then it's over. And you're like, so, you know, like, what happened to the rest of the story, Jesus? And it seems that the answer Jesus was give is, is, is not that important. You know, but Jesus, you know, was just literally left out in the field and and they're like, what? And I mean, like, did you? And what's going on? And, you know, do, like, do the brothers, do they ever, like, like each other? Did the other brother go into the party, you know? Does he get to do his breakdancing routine? And, and Jesus' silence is almost to say, I would have written that if it was important for you to know. But everything you need is there. If you're like me, the only question you have at the end of this is like, what? You know, this isn't a good end to a story, guys. You know, it's, it's not. It's, you know, he was lost. He was found. You know, okay, that's a wrap. That's great. You know, there's just no resolve. There's no end. There's no conclusion. And I want to submit today, maybe that's the point. That everybody left on the edge of their seat. Everybody's left going like, wait, what? Wait, what? How? How? You know, you know, like, Jesus, uh, do you mind uh, answering a few follow-up questions before we go on to the next parable? You know, you know, you don't have to tell us the rest of the story, but, you know, just a few questions about the story. You know, are you expecting us to act differently than the older brother acted? Right? Like, if someone screws up, right, like the other guy, are we? And, and, and here's what I would like to ask Jesus. 
is this what you would expect from the older brother? Right? Let's say the story goes different, and, right? And bear with me, right? And, and you're like, you know, this is heresy. We're rewriting the Bible, right? No, that's not what we're doing. We're just having fun, you know? And verse 25 says, you know, the, the older son was coming in from the fields. You know, the sun was setting. He's got sweat on his brow. He's been a long, hard day's work, and, and, and he hears music, and he's like, whoa, oh, oh, he hears this music and this dancing, and he says, oh, dear, you know, like, oh, boy, oh, yes, father, and, and he runs in, and there's his brother, you know, who, mind you, has shamed his entire family, and he runs in, and he's like, oh, brother, I forgive you, you know, I've always looked up to you, you know, even though you're my little brother, you know, and he's like, this is amazing. And he's like, yes, our favorite DJ. And he's like, yes, my friends are here. And he's like, oh, wait, you know, oh, there's more. You know, you got the credit card and you got the new shoes and you got the new clothes. And he's like, oh, well, of course you did. Why shouldn't you? Why shouldn't you be blessed? And, you know, I'm not jealous. This is amazing. You know, let's turn up the music. Let's dance. And, and, and I, I, I don't know, I, like play it out in your own mind. Like, what is this guy supposed to do? Like, oh, you're, you're throwing a party for your son who's a train wreck in the middle of a nightmare? You're like, awesome, you know? Like, let's go, Dad. But ask yourself, is the point of the parable just that we're supposed to celebrate people who do it the wrong way or the bad way, but everything works out in the end for their life? Like, I, I, you know, I don't think so. It's like, you know, I'm so happy that you're so blessed and I'm not. And, and you know, man, you start to think of it that way. And it's like, you know, I, I, I don't think this is possible. I don't think anybody can expect anybody to act differently than this boy. I mean, that's normal for church or non-church people. You know, that's called normal. So like, Jesus, what are you trying to say? And, and, I, and I love this. One scholar says, when you read this portion of Scripture, you are intentionally by Jesus, left craving an older brother that will search for you and will celebrate you. You're left craving him. And one of my favorite things about Jesus, you know, all of his teaching lead men and women to the end of themselves where the only option is God. And this is another one of those moments where we are as the audience, you know, we are supposed to take things that Jesus says at face value. You know, it, it is what it is. And he says it was right for the older brother. He says, you know, hey, this party makes perfect sense to me. And we're all like, no, no, Jesus, it doesn't. You know, this is not good. And, you know, and the scene closes and the story's over. And we're all supposed to have to kind of grapple with how this is right and how this is good. And and I'll answer it this way. <clears throat> Jesus is the older brother that we crave. In this story, in fact, the scripture likens Jesus to be the firstborn among many brothers. He likened in scripture to be our older brother. He is likened to be like one of us. The Bible says that he put on skin and bone, you know, he moved into the neighborhood and he was subject to all things human, you know, all weakness and all temptation as you and I were and are, but the difference was he knew no sin. He was perfect, and because he was perfect and because he knew no sin, he could take on your and my sin. See, I believe we're supposed to read this parable 
and our brains are supposed to go, you know, like tilt, and our logic is supposed to go, huh? And, and we're actually supposed to go like, wait, what? what? What's the point here? And, and the point is Jesus Christ is about to change the order of the universe as we know it. He, for the very first time in human history, in the universe, he's going to fulfill the law, right? He's going to transcend the law, and he's going to make a way available for all humanity that has never existed or could exist unless you're God and became man, right? Because for the first time, Jesus is like, he's almost baiting the audience to bring them is to be aware of their need for a superhero or a savior. And, you know, and, and I'm asking, like, what kind of dad acts like that, right? That's, that's a normal response for a brother. And, you know, like, what are you trying to point to? And what are you trying to say to us, Jesus? And, and what he's trying to say is this. I am the older brother who will celebrate you. I'm the older brother that will come looking for you. And, and you know, he, Jesus leaves the comfort of his father. The Bible says he left eternity and put on skin and bones and he moved into the neighborhood. And, you know, in fact, do you know that the Bible declares something that's so crazy that Jesus will be in physical, visible form for all of eternity because of the decision he made to live amongst us. He is the older brother we've been craving for. And, you know, and I'm going somewhere, if you're wondering, I promise you, you know, because he's the older brother we're craving for and, and he will search for you. And, and, and even though a normal brother will not, he will search for you because, you know, see, see, a normal brother says, you know, what you did, you did it to yourself right? I mean, the older brother makes a lot of sense. You know, this dude, he's out in the field. He makes a lot of sense. You know, work hard, get good results. You know, do good, get good, be good, and it will all work out for you. You know, that's the field guy. And, and truthfully, he makes a lot of sense. You know, the guy coming in from the field, you know, he says, you know, I've been working. I've been faithful. I've been diligent. You know, I've earned it. I, I deserve it. And, and that's the normal way of thinking. And yet Jesus comes to disrupt everything. And now he introduces a whole new way, which says if you do bad, you could still get good. And the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standards. And so in truth, the playing field is leveled because we've all sinned. We know we've all faltered. We all fail. We, we all can't save ourselves. And so all of a sudden you realize right? You got both the younger son in you and you got the older son in you. You know, they're both in me, but Jesus is the older brother that we're craving. You know, he will search for you relentlessly. And, and, and there's people, you know, here in our campuses and watching online, you think that God has given up on you, but can I tell you, God can't do that, right? God doesn't do that. That's absolutely inconsistent with his character, that's why he told this story. He said, you know, what's lacking in the universe, I will make up for you, right? You won't go searching for, for, uh, for anyone, you know, anyone in particular, right? If you can justify their inactive, your inactivity because somebody did this thing, something to themselves. So you won't go, but Jesus says, I will. And, and I will show you a better way. And I will show you another way. And I will move into the neighborhood. And in fact, it says in Romans chapter 5, 
for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Now, perhaps for a good one, but, but, but God chose his love for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And, and that's proof right there. You know, you, 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 you take all your dad's stuff and you move to a faraway country. You know, you live it up and you waste everything. And you live selfishly. And what does Jesus say? He says, I love you. And, you know, I came looking for you, right? I mean, you mean you came all the way out here for me? And he's like, yeah, man, you know, it's not the same at dad's house without you. You know, and you'd be like, well, I've, I, I never thought you liked me. And, and Jesus would say, I've always loved you. And he's, you'd be like, no, really? Like, you're not mad at me? for doing all, look at everything I've done. And, and Jesus would say, I love you. And it just makes your brain and you're like, what? And because that's what we all hope that the older brother would have done. But he's just a natural brother. He's just a natural man. And Jesus shows us a whole other way of living. He says this, John chapter 15, greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends someone who laid down his life for his friends. So here's what I'm going to say, and here's where I'm going to conclude for today. And I'm not going to pretend that this is a little thing or a light thing to turn on our lights, to let our light shine, to answer this question, are we our brother's keeper? You know, the answer to that is yes. And, and actually, scripturally, we see it's extremely yes, because up until Jesus, the concept of your brother's keeper is, you know, I will care for those who are deserving of my care. I will care for those who, choo who I choose to care for. I will care for those who are trustworthy. I will care for those who I like. I will care for those maybe who I'm related to. And Jesus enters the universe, right? You know, he enters the planet Earth. He, he enters Earth and, and starts breaking down walls. And, and, and it's like he just starts loving people that even the Jewish law said, you know, like, hey, you know, you don't have to pay any mind to those people. And Jesus, right? The Jewish Messiah shows up and he starts loving Samaritans and he starts loving and caring for women and, and for prostitutes and, and those with leprosy. And, and he starts, you know, taking time to bless children, right? And, and remind you, all the people that I'm listing here uh, in Jesus's day were overlooked. They were not considered. They weren't mentioned. They weren't important. They weren't cared for. Jesus shows up in, in scene after scene in scripture and he goes out of his way to care for his brothers and sisters that, you know, the cultural norm and those in privilege and power are like, hey, uh, you know, we know that's not how you're going to get voted in as Messiah. And he start, just starts blurring the lines of cultural and traditional and customary and social living and, and loving. And, and, and people are confused by the thousands, right? You know, there's, there's so much said there's so much said about this, but he's answering the age-old question, am I my brother's keeper? But tell you what happened. Luke chapter 15 is the story of the world. And until Jesus came, there were wayward sons and daughters that no one cared about. And so Jesus enters a time and space where the established church will no longer search for those who were broken. And he arrives on that point in the universe where the church has become a church of exclusivity, a house of privilege, a house that's, you know, completely divided. And then Jesus shows up and guess who's more attracted to him than church people? Street people! 
And he says, I'll tell you why, because I am the older brother who, you know, who will do for you what you can't do for yourself. And, and I will search and, and I will go and, and I will search for you and, and I will bring all my brothers and sisters back into my father's house and, and God will do for you and for me what we cannot do for ourselves. And, and here's the reality. You can't put yourself back together again. You need Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And, and there are people here today and, and you feel like you're at the bottom, you know, and I've been talking a lot about this lately because, you know, I, I think a lot of this is happening in this particular time in our community. You know, you feel that you're at the end of yourself. You, you feel like you've hit rock bottom. You, you feel like, you know, I don't know anymore. and It doesn't make sense anymore. And I'm confused and I'm empty and I'm lonely and I'm hollow and, and I'm not who I used to be and I'm not who I want to be. And and I used to have so much fun and now I can't even find a reason to smile and, and I don't know how I'm going to live another day. And what you and I oftentimes fail to recognize is the end of yourself is often when you see him and realize who he is for the very first time. Because the moment that you say, God, if you're out there, if you're real, you know, I've tried everything and and I, and I can't. And here comes the older brother we've always craved. And, and he says, I'm right here. And I've been calling out your name. And you couldn't hear me because there was so much going on around you. But I've been calling your name. I've been searching for you. And I'm here for you. And all of a sudden, the most powerful place you could ever be is right where you are right now. And when you say, I can't, that's when God steps up and says, I can and I will. I can and I will. And, and here's my concluding thoughts for today. I've said everything up to this point to say this. If the older brother has found you, if the older brother has celebrated you, if you've experienced this love called Jesus, if if you've been accepted and forgiven and covered, you know, and it's like, oh, you gotta, you gotta see it. You, you gotta see that, you know, the younger brother, he comes home smelling like pigs and he's covered with a robe and he's covered with jewelry and shoes are put on. And it's a picture of what Jesus does for us through his one sin for all sacrifice, right? Our sin, our error, our wrong, our selfishness, all the things we've done wrong are covered, covered in a robe of righteousness, and now we're hidden in Christ. And as he is, so are we in this world. I am now righteous. I am now justified. I am now sanctified. I am now in relationship with God forever, and that can never end. So I ask today for every Jesus follower, every Jesus following, God worshiping, man, woman, boy, child, under the sound of my voice, Will you let your light shine? Are you your brother's keeper? You know, well, I, I want to say, wait a second, because, you know, freely you have received. So now let us freely give of what we have received. Let me just take a minute and tell you how I really feel about this. You know, there are many people in this room, you know, in our campuses, watching online, you know, you're going through the struggle of a lifetime. And the answer is actually not just thinking about yourself. The answer is to recognize what you have in Jesus is the most precious gift ever given to anyone in the universe or humanity. 
And things may not be working out in your career and you know, things may not be working perfectly in your body and things may not be perfect in your past and things may not be perfect in your mind, but I've got a question for you. If you've experienced the, the, the unconditional forgiving love of Jesus, could it be that maybe God is asking you, will you now join me in the search? Will you now join me and follow in my footsteps and be the light, be your brother's keeper. Let your light shine. You know, we're not here today to choose political parties. We're here today to choose people. We're here today to choose humanity. We're here today to say, freely we have received, now freely we will give it. And we're just here to say, you know, at Light City, we're going to go ahead and be a part of the search party. You know, y'all out there, you know, you could be your brother's critic, you know, and you could be your brother's cynic, and you could be your brother's judge, and you could be your brother's jury. But we decided a long time ago, we're going to be our brother's keeper. We're going to so join the search party from heaven. We're going to go into the highways and the byways where people are broken and hurting and desperate and don't know they can live another day. And we're going to tell them the older brother they've been waiting for is here. He's here and his name is Jesus. So you might find yourself here today, you know. As I said earlier, we all find ourselves in one of probably many of these different categories. Somehow we feel like the father, we feel like the son, we feel like the older brother, the younger brother. Maybe you feel like the sheep in the other parable or the shepherd. I mean, we all find ourselves in so many of these different categories. This is why Jesus was so amazing because he had such a way of bringing us into his stories. And I want to pray really quickly. And I'm going to ask you, you know, if you felt God, on anything that I've said, if you've felt that tug or that nudge, that maybe you've been your brother's critic, maybe you've been your brother's judge, and you're saying, today is the day that I become my brother's keeper. I'm just going to ask you wherever you are, if you're in one of our campuses, if you're watching online, I just want to ask you to shoot up your hand really quickly. You know, this is who we were born to be. This is who we were destined to be. And so, Heavenly Father, for every man, woman, child that has raised their hands, that we declare that we will let our light shine. We're going to turn on the lights. We're going to be our brother's keeper. We ask, Father, for the boldness, for the awareness, that as we go out into our lives, as we walk around the streets, that you would cause us, cause our eyes to be open to the broken, the hurting, the lost, the desperate people that we encounter each and every day. We wouldn't be like, you know, the priests and the Levites in the story, but we would be like the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, and we would stop and we would get low. And like you did, Jesus, you got in the dirt with the prostitutes. And we would get our hands dirty with these people who so desperately need to know the older brother we've been searching for has found us. And we thank you for that. One last category that I want to talk to is maybe you found your way into one of our campuses onto our stream and you're hearing about this amazing older brother. Maybe you had tough family relationships. Maybe no one's ever searched for you. Maybe no one's ever gone after you. And you're saying this older brother, this man, this person, this Jesus, I need to know him. 
Scripture tells us very clearly that in order to enter into relationship is simple. We simply have to confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus has died, that he was the Savior sent from heaven to take our sin, that we could enter into relationship with him. And so what I'm going to do really quickly is I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. I'm going to ask you out loud to just repeat that. There's something that happens internally when we make an expression externally. So just pray this after me. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, you are the older brother that I've been longing for. I declare that you are the Son of God, the Savior of the world, sent to die for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Come into my life. Lead me, guide me, direct me into the glorious future that you've laid out for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if that was you and you just prayed that prayer, I mean, you maybe can't see it, but our whole Light City family is rejoicing with you. Can I tell you, Scripture even tells you that right now in heaven, there's a huge party that's happening because you have made a decision to give your life over to Jesus. And can I tell you, it is the best decision that you have ever made. I'm going to ask you really quickly, would you send us an email right now? Like, go right now. Like, open up a new tab in your browser. Send us an email, info at golightcity.com, and let us know that you have made a decision. We want to get some materials into your hands. We want to help to empower you as you begin to walk out this journey. Well, that's all we got for you today. I trust that you were blessed. I trust that as you walk from here today, that we're walking with the answer in our heart that says, yes, we are our brother's keeper. Yes, we will be a light to the world. Yes, we will let our light shine. God bless you and remember to burn bright. <laughs>